0: Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of Ninja Pancake Family and Podcasts. Hey, it's Christopher, and welcome to Geekologist Radio, where we take you through our queue and ride the hype train into the future. Let's introduce our crew for tonight's cast. First up, we have Silver.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Next up, we have Damien.
2: <laughs> What's going on, man? It's hot as hell up here, but uh, I'm looking forward to this cast.
0: And next up, we have Derek, who's accustomed to that Texas heat.
3: Oh, yeah, so much so. It rained here yesterday, dropped the temperature of about 35 degrees. It was pretty good. It's uh, back up today. Uh, yeah, Damien's about to pass out over here. I could, just, I could see the eyes. If I could like reach out and just slap him a little bit, i will get him. But uh, we're going to try to get him excited. We need to get him through our queue, get to the hype train to get Damien excited about stuff. So
0: <laughs> we're going to hop into our first segment, Errors and Emissions. And I'm going to cross my fingers because this is the second straight week where I have yet to have an error and emission, and I'm on a streak. However, Damien, <laughs> you are not. No,
2: I am not. I am not. You- I am not. So last week I talked about "You Get Me" and the actress on there that played the guy's girlfriend being on Game of Thrones. I myself was wrong, so wrong. The actress in "You Get Me" that I was speaking of is Halston Sage. Uh, she is plays the the girlfriend main main actress for "You Get Me," uh, and I had her mistaken. For playing Marcella Baratheon, also played by Nail Tiger Free, and yeah, they're not the same person. So that was me having something wrong, and it went. <laughs> pfft. So now we're back on, and let's try not to do that again, Jeremy. How, oh, that's my name. How
0: badass! Is- <laughs>
2: I'm talking in third person using my real name. I think that's <laughs> I, I had a I, yeah stage I, name. I I had a Venom name moment.
0: I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I was mesmerized by the fact that her name is Tiger Free. That's a badass last name. Yeah, that's I know, right? <laughs> that's is that
3: apostrophe in there, I, yeah. or is it just all Tiger is Free? Is it all just
0: Tiger Free? That's pretty cool. Alright, oh, yeah. so out of Arizona Missions, we're gonna head into
3: our queue. Alright. And first up in our queue, this is one I talked about a few weeks ago, and I'm excited because I haven't been back uh in since last week. So I've been able to finish a show, Ozark, that... We I remember we watched the trailer a while back and it looked decent and just kind of Netflix hasn't pushed it much media wise you didn't see much about it in the hype but uh, man anybody uh, that has seen this show and you talk to them about it like oh they make one big comparison it's the comparison is the Breaking Bad it's like what if Walter White chose a life of drug crime and included his family in the exposure and he was laundering money instead of cooking meth that's basically the premise of Ozark that is yeah
2: when I saw the preview that's actually what I thought and now this is coming from a guy who actually hasn't seen Breaking Bad only bits and pieces of Breaking Bad first thing I thought when I saw this preview was this looks like it's Breaking Bad but I'm actually interested in it I wonder if one of the guys has seen it I think Cajun was talking about it I come on look at the notes guess what so it's Cajun let's hear about it
3: yeah, exactly. So uh, first off, not as good as Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad still sits as the best of these shows. Season one of Breaking Bad is better than season one of, uh, of Ozark. Go.
2: But he's got Jason Bateman, who's been helping out with a lot of Netflix things since you know Arrested Development has come back on and been on uh, Netflix. He's, he's kind of appeared in a lot of the Netflix original content. How's he doing in Ozark? Oh, he's
3: doing great. Silver?
1: Uh, I just want to add something terrible. I actually live in New Mexico and I've never seen a single episode of Breaking Bad.
3: What is with you people? It's terrible. I, I live know, like two terrible. hours from Albuquerque. It's, it's in most people's top five shows of all time. Yeah. Many people's number one or two. Yeah,
1: I just so never got around to all it.
3: All time, all times shows. So I, it's it's up there uh, for me as well too. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not quite as good. Uh, Jason Bateman's not as good as Brian Cranston as, as was Walter White. Chris,
0: Jason Bateman never
3: ages. That
0: dude
2: has been uh-huh. like forty forever. Like it's insane. He, well, but the thing is, is is to as that as a trading point, he looked like he was forty in Teen Wolf too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's I'm always just saying did. he's always yeah. been
3: forty. Yeah, and if you ever, did, you see that GIF I put in uh, Uprising of. Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Tom Arnold doing a mock hula dance at a party that somebody took a viral video of. Yeah, it's it's freaking hilarious. I'm like, I'm surprised those dudes' hips didn't explode with the moves they were doing, doing the fake hula. It's hilarious. About 19-second gif. It was great. But uh-huh. what we really want to go on is Ozark and Jason Bateman. Yeah, he does it. But his the acting was outstanding. The setting was outstanding. It was something unique and original, kind of like how Breaking Bad did New Mexico. Writing was outstanding. Jason Bateman, he's producer one of the main writers. So that's I think this is part of it. I'm thinking they got arrest development and on and he was able to parlay in negotiations for them to make this show for him. And he 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 did a great job in it. Uh Laura Lenny and Jason Bateman play husband and wife. They chew up every scene they're in. I mean, I could just watch them act all the time.
2: Go the other thing that I've heard people compare this to is this Netflix original series, Bloodline. They say that it it, it that it, it, Bloodline and Ozark have a similar feel. Now, you've seen both, right?
3: Right. I've seen season one only of Bloodline. I haven't seen season two or three. I liked season one. I didn't see how they could do a season two. I've heard good stuff about it. Um, it has the same sort of pacing to it, but very different plot elements to it. Um, uh i'm gonna hit stuff stuff later that's gonna kind of separate it from it that goes more towards the breaking bad side but yeah i I would say um in terms of how excited you are watching it bloodline is the same thing it's more dialogue driven but it has those breaking bad surprises um and one thing about and the acting is i believe every character's motivation i it felt like these were real situations these weren't exaggerated situations these are real situations and these were solutions that somebody who's just good with money which uh Jason Bateman's character Barney Bird, he's good with money. How he reacts to them, I could see a normal people react. And every character in this, I could see them reacting in those ways. Except maybe the FBI agent. There's an FBI agent around in this one. I was like, he seemed a little extreme in some of his choices, but everything else seemed pretty good. So it had uh, in the in the Breaking Bad elements that it had that uh, Bloodline doesn't. It has smart problem solving. Which I I always give Better Call Saul props for. It has this problem. It comes up with a real smart solution for it that's based in the real world. Uh, and this, it also this has surprise twist uh, that Bloodline didn't have. It had one big twist in Bloodline. This has constant little twists like oh wow I didn't see that coming. And one thing about surprise twists is no character is safe. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so
2: that's like a Game of Thrones kind of feel into it then.
3: Yeah, but Breaking Bad did the same thing. Breaking. Oh Bad yeah, true. No char- that's right. That's no right, that's character right. was safe. You could really just be surprised if somebody you really like died. Uh, quite a few of the major ones lasted, but um, they, they definitely surprised you with quite a few deaths in Breaking Bad as well.
2: Now I've read, I've read that it has kind of a noir feel to it. Uh, does it? Or it, now, when you're looking at the preview that this show, it does strike with that. So when I've read a couple of the couple of the reviews, and they say that it has a noir feel. I could see that, but then if you're compared to Breaking Bad, I didn't ever view Breaking Bad as a noir, you know, feel.
3: Yeah, it it, it the only feel for the world it has is the color scheme it uses. It's, it's mostly grays and blues. It, it, okay, it okay. Co- it only uses color sparingly. So, so it's a
2: mute, it's a muted color when it comes to yeah, the it's cinematography a muted color palette that they okay.
3: use in their, uh, in their scenes. But I I really liked it because it really it it showed big city uh, people going to the country, it had that element to it. It had country people uh, and their businesses and and country crime and uh, being affected by it. And you also had uh, uh, major crime, big, big uh, cartels. Now, interfering into small town life it had a lot of those elements that they really fleshed out quite nicely in there and uh, i'm giving this a nine out of ten i had it eight and a half when i finished but the more i stewed on it, the more i thought about how much i liked it i had to go up a little more because it it really sat well with me um and i, th- I think originally i moved it down to eight and a half because there is one bad episode there's one that's like more of a flashback and that one kind of was like, that's too much flashing. And and uh, we know we, we know Cajun doesn't like flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But it, if it's in the middle of a scene and you don't let me know it's a flashback, yes, I'll hate it. But when it's an entire episode and it was just too much, it was n- unnecessary information that we didn't need. So, yeah. But overall, I highly recommend that this is one that you put in your queue. You will enjoy it. If you're a Breaking Bad fan, you love Breaking Bad, you will guarantee you're going to like this at minimum. All right, Chris.
0: All right. Um, so I'm just going to get really quickly into Baller Season 3, Episode 2. Uh, not, not a whole lot of the plot line moved too far. Basically, uh, Dwayne Johnson's character is trying to bring in, uh, like we talked about last week, an NFL team to Nevada. He's got the mayor who's backing him in that. She's telling him, well, in order to have that occur, you really need to have, you know, the senators and representatives because no way they're going to allow a stadium and the city to pay for it. And so basically that's all they're doing. It's just a wooing of these characters. You get a little bit more involved with um, some pregnancy scares that are are being involved and people losing millions of dollars and some money. Overall, not a whole lot uh, going on with Ballers right now. Uh, it's just more of the setup for the payoff, I guess, probably for the middle of the season. This is really, I think, I believe a 10 or 12 episode season uh, typically with Ballers. So nothing too crazy. Dwayne Johnson can't be in something for extended periods of time, which... It his scenes are not that extravagant in these shows, so you know how how little he's there. He's only shooting on so many
3: days, I'm guessing. Uh, how did you watch Entourage when it was on HBO? Uh, I did. You did. Uh, how similar is it to Entourage?
0: Uh, Entourage is a lot more interesting, I, and I and I like okay. Ballers. It just it it had okay. a lot more to say. Whereas Ballers is more of a machismo like it. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a big testosterone fest. Uh, a lot of fo- right. ex football players. A lot of naked women. And, you know, how many people can they put, have cameos show up in the show is basically what it is. And it, I mean, it's yeah. nice for what it is. It's on HBO. It's a it's a half hour. It's not that bad. It's actually really sweet to have follow up on Game of Thrones. Like it's a nice like come down from Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? I'm all amped up from Game of Thrones yeah. and I watch ballers. But it, if you haven't watched the first three seasons or the first two seasons, you're not missing much going into this. Yeah, I mean, you can catch up on to it pretty quickly. Honestly, you're I, it leads in. Fairly quick on every episode telling you what you've missed from the previous, almost two, two other seasons. A, mm-hmm. a movie that I was kind of leery about, but then I really enjoyed is my wife and I watched uh, Gifted. And man, was it surprising. Um, it has Captain America in it, which is, you know, Chris Evans in it right away. I was like, okay, this could, this could be interesting. But the basis of it is a, a single guy who's taking care of his uh, niece who's a prodigy. Uh, his sister passed away um, due to, I, I, I think, um, it was uh, either attempted or, or or some version of a suicide is, is what I believe it was. But I don't know if they really got into it. But it, uh, he ends up in a custody battle with the mother over the child once the mother finds out that the, the child is a prodigy. Because the, the child's prodigy with mathematics is the same as the mother's prodigy with mathematics. And so the, the grandmother is basically repeating the same sins that she created with the mom. Uh, and Chris Evans' character was very gentle on this uh i really loved how he played the single kind of dad character versus watching him as captain america i really haven't seen him in other other stuff to be quite honest i've only seen him as cap however when he entered the room any type of arg like when he had to direct at somebody it was like oh crap it's cap like that's uh, immediately he had like it was that's my thought so
2: go ahead if you've seen him in the movie uh puncture Mm -hmm. which uh starts off talking a lot about, like, the medical industry when getting nurses the proper uh, uh, PPE to be able to protect themselves against getting pricked. Uh, He plays a lawyer in that, and he actually plays a a strung-out lawyer in it. Very very good drama, but he... did Like, him going into a a room and when he's having to own the situation, Mm -hmm. that's almost what I view it as because that was prior to the Captain America he! It, it came out after Captain America 1, if I remember correctly, but it was filmed before that. It was like a Sundance thing. Uh, Silver.
1: Um, Chris Evans is also in a romantic comedy called What's Your Number? I do not remember who he car- co-stars with. Um, and he was also in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So I've always enjoyed yes. him well, in roles besides Captain America.
2: Yeah. Well, before if, you're, if we're going to go back and talk about that, he's also one of his first more... Kind of uh, slapstick roles was uh, not another teen movie.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. The Human <laughs> Torch. Oh, the Human Torch. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs>
3: well, he was a Human Torch in two Fantastic Four. Yes, he was. What I liked
0: about this was he had the scruff beard, which he's going to have in Infinity War when he comes back. So I was like, oh, okay, so this is the kind of look that he's going to have. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was how well McKenna Grace, who plays Mary Adler, the the, the child, she had a very kind of Dakota Fanning type showing in this movie. Had they given her a little bit more meat on the bone to go with, I think that she could have even expanded the character a little bit more. The lines that she did have, she owned when she was on the screen between he and her. Like She she took away from him every time that she was on screen. Maybe it was because she was a kid, or maybe it's because they gave her the, the one-liners, but it was really, really good.
2: Have you seen I Am Sam? Yes. This, to me, seemed like it was in that same vein, would you compare it to to I am Sam?
0: It, I, I am Sam touches on mu- on a much more serious note than this mm-hmm. does. This, oh. by the time it uh, by the time we were finished, my wife's eyes had watered at the end of it. So it was enough to okay. t- to touch you, but to me personally, it didn't hit that note. Like I could see where it could with some people. It just, uh, to me, it fell flat at the end. Like it it just kind of tied things up too nice in a bow. And that part I didn't care for. I I, I like rough okay. edges with things. I'd rather things have a little bit rougher rougher rough
3: edge rather than it's because a
2: rough, rough rough edge is more based in reality. Yeah. Because yeah. reality, you don't get you don't get nice tide boats most of the time.
3: So i am to – yeah. You don't you don't get those super tears that no. you do in Pay It Forward and everything. I base off the of tears is Pay It Forward. If you make me cry as hard as I did. Oh pay my it forward,
2: god! Don't even did. can't. Yeah, that <laughs> was uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: just thinking about it's making me emotional.
0: Right. So. I have the connection between Will Ferrell and <laughs> the Wahlbergs and because of Daddy's Home 2, because we've been talking about Daddy's Home 2. And I'm like, oh, crap, look, there's a movie that I thought I saw already before, the other guys. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch it, you know. At first, I didn't think I'd watched, i I'd seen it. Then uh, for the first 10 minutes, I thought I saw it only because of the kick-ass scene with The Rock and with Samuel L. And they're just like, Samuel being about Samuel L on 10. He's, be, he's literally uh, asking almost the same questions, where have you seen my wallet? And so I'm like, uh, so I was really excited and the rock was just being the rock, but much thinner and a lot, obviously younger seven years ago. And, but those guys, um, if you watch the movie, aren't in it for very long. And it's basically about two cops. One that was into, uh, well, actually he shot Derek, he shot Derek Jeter because Derek Jeter's in it. um, And that's Wahlberg's character. He's kind of a, a good cop who accidentally did something wrong, you know, clipping the Yankee clipper. And, all, and then <laughs> Will Ferrell, who's a desk cop, basically has never had a gun. And the other person who's in it, who makes a cameo that I talked about was Michael Keaton. I'm like, oh, there's a Michael Keaton sighting. He's been in a lot of movies lately where I'm like, wow, he's really good. Oh, wait, he's really good. I remember Michael Keaton. You know, he's in a bunch of movies where he's been really good. And then he went and fell off the face of the earth. And then he did, uh, what was the bird movie that he did? Uh, Birdman? Yeah. Uh, Birdman. yeah, Birdman, Man. and then he, then he started... Harvey Birdman. Yeah, and then, he, then yeah. he started making all these little cameos and different things again. Um, Robocop. Robocop. He was a But the movie basically pins those two guys together because they, they're trying to take over their idols, which was The Rock and Samuel L. and Comedy Ensues. And this was still Will Ferrell when Will Ferrell was funny. So there's a lot of stuff where the lines are really, really funny. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the major players that are in it. Uh, even Mendes is in it. Uh, they're... There's quite a few people where, like, you see it and you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember that guy. Oh yeah, I remember that guy." So, really funny buddy cop movie. You can see where they have their chemistry and 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 where it clicks with Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home Two is going to be. But overall, it's 3.99 on Netflix or on Amazon. I would highly recommend it if you haven't seen it because it is really really funny.
1: It's a great movie. So uh, I used to avoid horror movies like they were the plague until I saw Sinister last year which is still my favorite and uh somebody the other day was trying to convince me because they were like we were talking about horror movies at a birthday party and my friend said oh, i love the saw series and i was like i can't watch them those are too gory and she's like the first one's not gory at all just watch the first one it's the same guy that did insidious and i was like whoa it's james wan she's like yeah i was like okay okay so last night i found the whole series on hulu and sat and watched it with expectations of kind of a a, a slasher gore fest, and I was greatly surprised. Like, they don't hardly show anything, like I've seen more, like Sinister is more gory than that. It was incredible. The psychological horror behind it was just so fascinating. To the point that even though I keep hearing that the sequels are far gorier, I watched 2 and 3 today.
2: What did you think of 3? Three? 3 is the one that takes place in the house, correct? Where where's the, it's the trio. <laughs> 2 is the house. Oh, two 2 is the house. 2 two is... Okay, so 2 is my favorite out, out of them. Because um, I felt that the ending and everything when it comes into play, like you just did not see that yes, coming. Yes,
1: yes, yes. The ending was great.
2: And it's where it really... Hammers Home, that it's a psychological thriller, I felt was in two.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I really liked how three picked up or two left off. Um, the whole way three played out was really good, and that one was a little bit more on the gory side, but we've seen worse in The Walking Dead or Hell on Wheels, so it's like, it's almost like watching those shows for so long have kind of desensitized me to where it used to be I couldn't watch any sort of gore in a film and now i I sat and ate dinner while i watched saw three so yeah
3: yeah for me the 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 jump scares like if you're gonna do a good psychological thriller where you have a good plot to it and i can believe everything that's going on then I'm okay with it. But if you're just going to try to make a movie that's trying to scare me with jump scares, that's the ones I turn off. Those are the ones I move away from. So I I, I have like this fine line of I'll, I'll watch thrillers but not uh, horror ones. Unless you're making fun of it. Unless you're doing sort of like a Cabin in the Woods thing, then I'm all over that because you're making fun of the whole genre and you're doing it well. I'll watch that, no problem. Yeah,
0: Cajun, I agree, with, I agree with you on that because if I I would rather have the anticipation of the jump scare and never get it. Because mm-hmm. that's what's sc- that's scarier to me than the actual jump scare. Then it's just mm-hmm. like, okay, that's a cheap trick. But like the anticipation of it the entire time, like in the movie, I like seven or like all of those, like those, that, that stuff was much more scary to me because it's the, the thought of it coming.
2: Yeah. That, that scene when, uh, Gary Oldman is all in all the makeup on the bed and, uh, and he's, he's all dehydrated. Mm-hmm. That was creepy as hell you, you're like oh that thing's dead and then all of a sudden it starts breathing
1: yeah and the whole reason that i started to get into horror films was more for the story not the scare so the ones like um we watched boogeyman last week it was pretty good we put the second one in and the second one was just a stupid pointless gore fest
2: that's because the first one was done by sam rammy and now sam Ramy is known for gore in a lot of his stuff, mm-hmm.
3: yeah, but campy gore. Yeah, like, yeah, campy like, gore. Nah. And the yeah. first, like, that's the first boogeyman,
2: the first <laughs> boogeyman, had it had some, so, you know, he it had his his horror flair to it when he's not trying to be campy. The second one definitely was not his, and it was a direct to DVD. And it's like I can watch it and be like, oh, it's connected. Mm, it's not the same
1: thing. Yeah, changing directors and writers is usually a little off-putting for me in the horror genre, especially with Saw. You know, I love James Wan. I'm a big fan. But when I found out it was his co-writer that did um, the st- st- uh, the scripts for 2 and 3, and uh, it was a different uh, director. It was Darren Lynn uh, Bozeman instead of James Wan, and he's a little... He's known for, like, more... Actually, I should say he's known for lesser-known flicks, like The Barons, uh and Tales of, ha- of Halloween. So he's not like a big name, but he definitely went more for the gore than the story. But he still kept the story going.
2: Tales of Halloween is a more recent one, and that one's actually really good. It's a good anthology film.
1: Really? I've not seen it.
2: Yeah, It should be still on Netflix.
1: I'll have to check it out. But right now we're debating if uh, we want to watch... Uh, move on to four because again it's a new writer, it's a new director uh, and one did produce two and three but after that he was done with the series so I'm a little hesitant.
2: So if you're going to go through the Saw series it's because of how it goes back and throws back the the characters and stuff throughout it you almost have, once you get started you almost have to go through and watch it especially now that they're doing a soft reboot which actually brings back Some other characters, you you almost would be doing yourself a disservice not to continue through with them. That's
1: that was kind of my thought Um, this morning because you know last night we were like okay we watched the first one that's the one we need to watch the rest are supposed to be super gory and this morning we're like we gotta know what happens next because it was just so interesting and so we sat and watched the other two back to back and we'll probably end up watching the other ones uh, throughout this
2: week. This is how it worked for me. I saw the first three in theater. Everyone after that, I I just rented.
0: I was going to say the problem with horror films is the fact that after the first one, the, the scare fa- the scare factor goes away. So in order to kick it up a notch, you have to kick up the gore factor because that's the only thing that can keep those things going. It's, it's really hard sinister. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to keep the storyline too because Jigsaw, air quotes, dies right and so, and mm-hmm. one of these, and I, I'm not I'm not trying to spoil any one in particular. I don't really know remember which one he dies in. But now you're just bringing back a, the voice ghost and of Jigsaw and somebody pretending to be Jigsaw. It, the story just kind of loses all its luster. It's like the Blair Witch. Blair Witch 1 was great. Blair Witch 2, done.
2: But the re- the remake of Blair Witch was fantastic.
1: James Wan's version? Yes. I have not had a chance to watch it yet.
2: It is amazing. Uh, they, they do some liberties with a certain rendition of The Blair Witch by Todd McFarlane. And oh. That's why I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Yeah, that dude does some great characters.
1: Man. Now, when ah. it comes to horror sequels, I will say The Conjuring 2 I enjoyed more than the first one. I
2: Conjuring think- 2 was amazing. Uh, the, that, the whole Conjuring universe uh, of the Warrens is coming up to be an incredible uh, series of films. Yes. If you're looking for that tense fear factor they're able to do it because they don't just throw jump scares at you to do it. They do that buildup. And sometimes the buildup just doesn't lead up to anything. It just has you on the edge of your seat for whatever reason. (laughs) And it it does that. It's that thing that Chris was talking about.
0: Speaking of cheesy and campy horror, I watch Riverdale. (laughs) how did you
2: like it man how did you like it because i i loved it
0: well i'm i'm only through the first episode because i like it's one of those things where it's good enough for me to watch it probably an hour a night but not great enough for me to watch back-to-back shows in the same night so that says that tells me already where i'm at with it like i i like it but i don't love it so it was interesting it was very cheesy. I mean the first episode was very cheesy. It reminded me of like some of the shows that my wife watches on Oxygen. I was telling Cage in that like it's just like it's really bad. But the 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 mystery at the in the beginning and then where it le- ends on the first episode has me interested in going, okay, so what, what's going on with the mystery? So, like, I, I, know, I remember Fout saying, just get past the first couple of episodes, and if once you get past that, you can get into it. So uh, I'm going to give it that. I, I, enough that I'm wa- willing to watch it again. I thought the major characters were okay. I thought, thought some of the acting was pretty bad. Um, some of the dialogue was pretty bad. So I'm hoping that that progresses and gets a little bit better.
2: What do you think of uh, Jughead?
0: Jughead was awesome. I didn't realize it was Jughead until he called him that, like about halfway through. Because as as far as I knew, he was just like a, this indie writer, and then all of a sudden he calls him Jughead, and I'm like, oh crap! So I, the whole yeah.
2: the whole series is the, like if you you'll start recognize the whole series is from technically the writer's Jughead's point of view. Uh
0: yeah, yeah. When I when I, when they had Archie walk in to the diner, um. It, the conversation was as if Jughead was typing it as he was walking in like he and Archie walks in and it's like oh okay so you're writing the story as this is ha- occurring so I got that like right from the middle of the diner scene uh, I thought the Betty character was was yeah the Veronica character was a little bit more spicy which I appreciated but Betty just came off really bad like it just that her character wasn't that great for me at least the first episode
2: silver
1: I've actually got it in my queue now so I might start it soon and uh, join you on that Chris
0: yeah, it's definitely interesting enough to to give it a look, and the amount of reviews that people have given Riverdale is enough for me to say, okay, if a lot of people I either listen to or you know follow are talking about it, maybe I should give it a try.
2: I mean, it's got a very CW feel. It does, but but it's also got it. It's, it's got enough. It, it's got enough that it, it works as a good filler show. Um, I, I, I did really enjoy it, but again, I was more on the lines with you, Chris, where yeah, I would watch an episode and then, oh, what else do I got to watch? Mm-hmm. And then I'd go back and watch an episode. So it, it lasted me a little bit, but no, it's definitely something that I, I did enjoy and I like the darker aspect of the Riverdale co- comics and stuff like that, that that's following. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's unfair that Jeff's not here to talk about the uh, second episode of, uh, Midnight Texas.
2: Yeah, yeah, especially because he's, he's watching it and he's now hooked and he understands what I was talking about with the vampire lore and all that stuff. Second episode of Midnight Texas roars in, connects right up to the end of the other episode. So they're, they're doing it where it's like, they're just lining them up and shooting them out. Again, the, the acting is, is so well done on it that it allows you to, forgive some of the cg effects that you see because the cg effects are not the best at all but the acting makes it believable and then the practical effects are phenomenal so uh but but like there's a tiger in it and let's just put it this way the walking dead you know tiger and deer it's along those lines
3: oh yeah. Well, the tiger in Walking Dead is pretty good. That deer in Walking Dead. Okay. 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 <laughs> of bass it, it, it's, it's deer. It, it's, it's, it's like, like deer. Deer bad. Yeah. yeah. It's like deer bad.
2: But the, the this, the second episode t- goes more on into like, uh, it, it sets up the pace for the, for the series of there being, it's the, basically, it's the supernaturals versus a de- demonic presence. And it's basically, it's midnight is the war zone. Um, and so you're going to have you're going to wind up having this this you're going to have the character the lead character that's the uh soothsayer the gypsy that can can talk to the dead he's going to basically be leading this ragtag group of werewolves were tigers witches and all that versus the demonic horde that is coming their, their direction and that's. It leads you to believe that there's this biker gang that actually is probably going to wind up being more than what they said because they refer to the biker gang as being a bunch of skinheads. The biker gang itself, I'm starting to think because of its nature and names, I'm not trying to give away too much, uh, but I think that they're going to wind up being more of uh, something to do with the occult and bringing forth this demonic horde that's supposed to be looming over Midnight, Texas
3: put that down as a Damien theory. <laughs> that, that is my
2: theory. We'll find out probably more in the next episode.
3: What else are you watching, man?
2: I am watching the... I finally got hooked on the originals. Now, I've w- tried to watch The Vampire Diaries multiple times, and I, w- I would start it up, and then I'd stop. I'd start it up and stop. Now, the originals... like I loved True Blood. The originals to me actually kicks True Bloods but because you don't have all the gratuitous nudity, but you have a constant, fluid story with well portrayed characters and equal parts action to story, the flashbacks, everything that goes on because you're dealing with the creatures that have lived for thousands of years makes sense. So it's a, it's a, it's something that ca- that a ca- that Cajun could watch without getting getting frustrated with. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. But What threw me off is I'm so accustomed now to these 10 or 12-episode series that at episode... I think it was episode 10 or episode 12, I was like, okay, that's the end of the first season. This kind of sucks that it's only four seasons long, but, you know, okay, I can get into this. No. Season 1 is 22 episodes long, and I'm like four episodes away from finishing season 1. And so far, it's the story... It basically feels like like you could have stopped it at twelve, and it would have been like a full season. But no, it just keeps coming on, and the story is so good. Like it's it's a very it feels very similar though to like it like it's like vampires, werewolves, witches, and all this stuff in between. In its own version of the Godfather, and that's huh. kind of how how it feels. But it's it's really good, and you know it's an older show out there. But One because uh, oh, no, this, oh, this would have been this would I'm streaming this on Netflix, but this would have been CW. Okay. And uh, so yeah, you know, like with all of their good their films that they get a lot of yeah, they're 22, they're full seasons. Oh yeah, they don't play around with
3: they don't play around with those 10 episodes. No, seasons. you're you're getting uh.
2: So by you're time yeah. So by time I'm done. But the thing is, that's what you know when I hear you guys talk about about like the Flash stuff, you talk about filler. So far, in this least in the first season of the originals, there is no spot where I felt that this is filler. I could have gone without seeing this episode, and I would have been fine with moving to the next. Each one tells its own story that you feels like you need to be a part of, in order to move to the next episode.
3: Yeah, and 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 one clarification on the fast. Yeah, there is stuff that feels a little more fillery, but. They have so many big spikes in them in the season that when they do a regular episodic where it's just like a single meta human and he's gonna take him down, it still comes off as good, but it's not stuff that that's not those big things that mm-hmm. we have to that we try to talk about as much because it's just little stuff like they're not doing like a big double episode or a cross plot or anything like that with those. But yeah. Uh, Uh, that's, that's interesting, man. That sounds like we got some,
2: some CW love today. Yeah. I mean, we really have. And the the thing is, is because of the way that this series, I'm going to go through and watch all of these games. Cause this is actually the originals came as the characters showed up on, uh, and I haven't got to the episode where they showed up, but the characters showed up in the Vampire Diaries and then got their own spinoff show. I like, this is going to get me to eventually watch the Vampire Diaries, which I know is eight seasons so that's eight seasons of 22 episodes a season
3: so that is a significant amount of time oh my god that's (laughs) what 180 hours yes Uh. but
2: i will i will definitely because of how good this is it will get me to go back and
3: do that now speaking of not good uh oh. I went to see a movie. I went to see a movie I was excited about and that I picked uh, when we were discussing all the great trailers for summer movies. And look at July. July is crazy. What's that one? What's that one in July that's going to be your best or your favorite? Like Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I truck Lusipassan. I, tr- I trust the material. And oh. So there's some forced romantic subplot, uh, some forced character motivations. He forced in the human influence into this world, which probably could have been from the comic books doesn't matter it felt forced in the movie and that's what i went to see i didn't come there with with the comic books in mind. I came to watch a movie he forced this world building element on there the dialogue was forced and just the main plot as well and like what if the fifth element had a baby that you could never understand no matter how old it gets and i think that's what this is because i trying to understand some of the stuff that's going on it, it because uh the thing is It's supposed to be science fiction, yeah. but it it ends up being just pure fiction because it it tries to do the science stuff at the start, but then it's just all of these other elements that just don't make much sense in in the science fiction world and um, that really just, you get caught like, how the hell, why is, and maybe in another viewing, if I know that's coming, I'll be able to turn that off in my head. But for me, it was too many times. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Why is this here? What is this going on? It was beautiful scenes here and there, but it was just I'm on the poor fiction side. So either not, there was couple of things there. Either the movie was completely miscast or it was poorly written or both. And that was another big part of it as well. But Go, Damien
2: i'm just saying man this is hurting me because i love myself some luke Besson movies and i've been looking forward to this and so hearing this you're really stabbing me in the heart you're making it sound like it was a big bada boom
3: (laughs) it's a big bada boom and and that's the thing is um there are and at the end of this people who like bad sci-fi movies may like this movie but you don't have the budgetary limits of bad sci-fi. You don't have the internal excuse you make when you watch bad sci-fi. Like, oh, they they probably couldn't have done that right. Or this is the first time this director, and you make these excuses for bad sci-fi. This is an experienced director, experienced cast, crew, studio budget. Everything on this should have been tighter, should have been uh, more coherent. And I think they gave him a little, Lupus on a little too much leeway uh, with with doing this. Um, Because it, it missed. Like the fifth element could have been a failure, but it hit. Mm-hmm. On a lot of elements, mm-hmm. and this and this missed on all the elements that the fifth element had. So it missed. It missed on the cast. The cast wasn't as strong. It missed on the quotes. Uh, so you don't have. I can't hardly think of a single quotable moment in this. And what fifth? What fifth element just was like it's, it's quotable. Now, 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 now,
2: The one thing though. I mean, the the two quote the two.
3: Yeah, I mean, you you obviously got the
2: you know, multipass and all that stuff that was quotable from that. From from the Fifth Element, but most of the Fifth Elements uh, quotable stuff came from either Gary Oldman or from Chris Rock.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you got multi. Chris Tucker,
2: excuse me. excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker. It,
3: yeah, that, that that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad you caught that one because I, I, I was I was rolling with it. I didn't even catch it. I missed it, but yeah, uh, but the, yeah, there's so much of all that stuff that that hit in it that when you start watching the Fifth Element, like this could miss, but it just it it didn't it it. It uh it missed in this one. I'm, I'm giving it a five out of ten. It was pretty. Okay. So it's a, it was pretty. so Avatar Ava- had some decent Avatar stuff. pretty. Oh, as pretty yeah. uh, as Avatar. Easy. Okay. It had some just great okay. visual scenes, but good visual scenes do not a movie make. Uh, I think the actual worst part were the two leads. Um, I've liked Dane DeHaan and and, and Cara Delevingne. I think that's I say your last name. Yeah. Their stuff. Um, their chemistry was abysmal. Um. And they weren't bad in terms of acting. I didn't really buy the Dane DeHaan character. He was supposed to be Han Solo, uh, mm-hmm. roguish lover and superhero. I didn't buy him at, at all at it. I didn't buy her character at all. And I, 100%, I don't know anybody, even, even probably staunch defenders of this movie will say one thing. Nobody buys the romance that those two had. It was completely forced and did not one inch of it came across on the screen that there was any chemistry with them at all. That's sad because a movie like
0: that, you're expecting it. Like, first of all, it came with high expectations from us and then it falls flat on its face and then i'm expecting from you to for you to say well if it had better acting or if it had a better script or just like if it if you could pick one thing <laughs> one, one thing but you're like no nah, if it had better actors a better script um a better plot like like we're talking the whole damn movie <laughs> so like at that point then it's yeah. just then it's just the movie like you know what i mean it's it's, yeah. it's whoever wrote it and whoever's directing it at
3: that point yeah it just had good special yeah. effects that was it silver
1: I was uh, really disappointed when the reviews started coming out. You know, it was uh, like you guys. I was really excited about it, and everybody, all my friends, went and saw it. You know, all the Rotten Tomato stuff started popping up, and I was like, uh. but in better news, the Emoji movie's failing. So,
0: <laughs> and Chris? Uh, I think if you'll recall and go back about seven or eight episodes, you'll hear from me that I said this movie was going to fall flat on its face, and this would be a rental.
2: Yeah, you did <laughs> say that, and I remember did, I I I remember. I I got frustrated yep. with you. I
0: know. I know. <laughs> it just it, it came off as one of those things, Like, and I get where the excitement is, but if you remember The Fifth Element wasn't a huge blockbuster at the theaters, it was a great movie that everybody went and saw afterwards, and then it became a cult. So maybe this, maybe, I know this is a bad movie, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of bad movies where people eventually go see them and think that they're, you know, hey, this is really good, so it, maybe it'll catch on, you know, in rentals.
3: I don't know. Yeah, there, there, there's ways that you could that this could be made better. And that's people coming in with lower expectations. Even, even though it was getting the bad reviews, I think I saw one review that like I mentioned last time that was giving it like sevens, eights, and nines. And I was like, okay. And I trusted those guys. But no, nah, I should have trusted the consensus. And the consensus was... And if I came in lower, I might have liked it a little better. But oof, yeah, it, it was just pretty to me. And so... Uh, it. It might take a, it might get another viewing in the background later. Um, just the way the fifth element, the fifth element, I love straight out the, the gate. But uh, I don't know if this has a staying power because, like I said, it missed on all the things that fifth element hit on to make it a cult class. Was
0: there a choice to see a Planet of the Apes movie instead of this?
3: No, I I I, uh, I was trusting my oh, gut. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this one's not as bad as people say. I'm gonna like it. And uh, my gut was wrong. Should have used my brain instead of my was gut. Was your
0: wife tortured through this too?
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> she she left it. when we left the movie theater. Uh, uh, she just looked at me. She goes, "Well, that was a movie." <laughs> 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 was like, yep, that was a that was a there movie. There it was. <laughs> it was a thing. Uh, now, what are we going to cover next week? Anything we're planning on watching? Next episodes of shows? I'll
2: be covering, I'll be getting more into. Obviously, I will be covering the part or episode three of uh, of Midnight, Midnight Texas. Te- Texas. I'll also be getting caught back up on Mist on TV. Those are my two main things I'll be looking into.
0: Next week for me is probably still more, a little more Riverdale. Uh, and then obviously for all of us, anticipation in two weeks for the Defenders. So as soon as that pops, uh, we've got 14 days uh so the 18th of august i believe it comes out and we'll, we'll kind of bury through all of that i'm sure but yeah next week's probably just riverdale and then whatever surprises come along because gifted and the other guys wasn't even an anticipated thing it was just like oh hey what's on netflix hey what, what can i rent this week i know boss baby's out so my kids are into that i've been trying to watch that other thing you know the other thing i wanted to watch was the amy schumer movie with uh, goldie hahn uh, and that's out this snatch, right? That's out this Friday. So on on iTunes. So my guess is that that looks really good. My guess is We'll probably watch that uh, just because those are the type of crappy comedies that I would never go see at a movie theater, but would definitely rent for five bucks. Silver, what you watching?
1: Um, I well, I'll probably end up finishing the Saw series. Um, And you guys know that I finally started Game of Thrones. I'm halfway through season two. So if I can finish season two before next week, I would like to kind of give a little insight on uh, what I'm thinking so far, even though I'm insanely behind. But hey, (laughs) um, I had to start somewhere.
0: It'd be awesome to hear about what somebody thinks from like season two and like where we are now. I'm just it'd be so curious as to like what? What are you like that'd be awesome. That actually right? really cool. Well, I
3: was excited. I was excited when we told her like if you make it through season 1 it gets better and she was like season 1 was great. I'm like, yeah, you're great. Oh you're yeah, I good. loved yeah. season 1. You're golden. I thought it was awesome.
1: <laughs> and yeah, even though we totally knew that Ned Stark died, like my husband was just like, "Oh my god." He's just, he's still very upset about it. Every time we turn it on, he's like, "Oh, Ned." It's still I'm a like, soft spot uh, for
3: me. I love Ned. Yeah, they they still haven't given up on it in the show yet. <laughs> I mean, really, if you think about it, a couple of episodes back. But uh, yeah, no, for me, I I hope to finish uh, Handmaid's Tale. I didn't cover it this week. I'm just gonna wait till I'm done with the season, and that's that's my goal. Uh, I'm keeping my goals uh, short and sweet. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, the other thing that uh, we need to get caught
2: up on, Cages. We I mean, because we, we even spoke this over with Jeff, is we all gotta get caught up
3: on Preacher. I know. Every other show has taken my attention, and Preacher's just rolling in the background. I know. I know. Tra- same here. Same here. Like, ah, yet
1: another I, I haven't even started.
0: It. You could probably binge that though. I mean, that I mean, once you catch up, you can do a, a Walking Dead on it and just kind of yeah. go right through it and blast through it. Yeah, Preacher
3: season one was what ten episodes, and season two is almost two thirds of the way through. So
0: if you thought in our queue was long, uh, let's head on to the hype train. All right, so first up in our uh, hype train, I think Damien and I are going to kind of combine on this one. We got a first photo of Zazie Beetz uh, in her domino costume uh, from Deadpool, and Ryan Reynolds posted this on Twitter, and it's her laying on top of Deadpool, and uh, he has something, I think, to the effect of, like, doesn't she own the red carpet or something to that effect, I think is the line that he, that he put in there. Uh, but, man, she's taken a bunch of crap uh, from that picture. All because it's an African American Domino?
2: Yeah, well I mean, if you go by the actual character, I mean she's she's very pale, mm-hmm.
3: let's just put it that way. Uh but you know It'd be like if the Joker didn't have pale skin, so that's what I mean. Yeah,
2: yeah and so I mean but but the thing is, is that it's like, you know what? Who gives a shit? If the character plays well, that's all that matters. But I'm just gonna give you a little background on Domino. So this is how Domino plays into This gives us a little foretelling of the future of Deadpool as well. Uh, Her name's Nina. Uh, She was one of the many children born to the US government Project Armageddon, designed to genetically engineer the perfect weapon using precognitive mutant named Beatrice. One of only two survivors from the numerous attempts Nina was stolen away from by Beatrice's cult. The Amajutes or suits, I'll probably get corrected on that, and delivered to Chicago to a Chicago priest remaining in his care until her own mutant powers manifested. Nina forged a distinguished career in many fields of covert activity, both as an agent of various organizations. This is where she got the kind of antihero role, which plays in good with Deadpool, of course. Uh then, as things kind of went on, she, you know, there's a t- timeline where she got married, all that stuff. But, you know, getting up to where it actually comes into play, uh, she eventually becomes part of X-Force with Cable. Mm. Ah, okay. This is where, where it plays in the factor of having her in this, is that at some point, if if we got C- we, we have Cable involved in the storyline... This is one of his cohorts for X-Force. And we already know that X-Force is going to be a film. So we're going to have X-Force suit Deadpool, which is not red.
0: Just as a side note, I appreciate the fact that they posted the picture. What I don't appreciate, and I'm not going to curse, I'll I'll keep this short for our frouts, but it really frustrates me beyond no end. When people take crap for being a female uh, doctor, which we had two weeks ago, We take people who take crap in Spider-Man Homecoming because certain characters aren't the skin tone or the ethnicity that are portrayed. Yeah. It's like, just get over it. Great storytelling is great storytelling. Anybody could be plug plug and play. It could be a female Spider-Man for all I care. As long as the story goes it. I don't care. It doesn't have to be Peter Parker. It could be anybody.
2: Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's a cinematic universe. A cinematic universe is it's a multiverse. Comics have multiverse. We all know that comics have multiverse. In a multiverse, every mul- every different universe can have a different character. You can, I mean I mean look, we have Spider-Gwen, okay? Gwen Stacy in one of the multiverses is the place of Spider-Man. Which by the Case way, in point, your Marvel is freaking awesome. It's Marvel. Yes. So, I mean, it's just in your Marvel game, it's, just- it's one of the most hunted i did it is Is is. everybody everybody people pay so much money and they're begging for people like people we got people that are willing to pay that would say i i'll pay 60 dollars just for spider gwen's costume
0: it's crazy so that it's like i know it's a side note and it's a side point but it's she's taken a lot of uh, she's taking a lot of shit this week really and for absolutely no reason uh unnecessary cajun i know you want to talk about the disaster artist
3: Yep. Keeping it short. Uh, this was one that trailer came a couple weeks back, kind of miscovering it through a lot of other stuff. Uh, but Disaster Artist is a docudrama. It's about the making of uh, what's the, the cult what's called the worst movie ever by a lot of people, The Room. And uh, this movie comes out December 8, 2017. And this is an all star cast making this and it's going to be playing straight up as a comedy. Alison Brie, James Franco, Seth Rogen, Dave Franco, Zach Efron, Brian Cranston, Kristen Bell, and Tommy Wiseau himself is playing a major role, who's the actual writer-director of The Room. He's in oh, that's it. That's awesome. So I I think that's really awesome that he's, he's accepting people making fun of him instead of defending his uh Movie as being good. He's finally accepting it. So it looks funny. This is what I want to see. It's all star cast. The trailer is basically just a clip from it. And even that is just really funny. And if that's the theme of the show, if that's the, the mold they're going with, I'm in. It's been a
0: while since we've had a movie where it's been an all star cast all tripped up in like one or two rooms and they all have the, like, those minor conversations with each other. And you get the whole story told within a very compact area. But the, they tend to be really, really like they're good stories. It's just, you know, how, how, who, and who's playing in them. But as you said, all-star cool. cast, that's awesome.
2: See, the last time we saw this though, it was kind of the same cast and it was called, uh, this is the end.
3: Oh uh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. The Seth Rogen joints uh, get into those a lot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's basically that whole crew gets together and makes some great stuff, but they're adding a lot to them in, in this one. But yeah, yeah, this is the end. That one, <laughs> that one was funny as well too. And see the, these guys, when they get together, they normally make good stuff. And so, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't think of, I can't think of a bad one they've made. Uh, they do get high a lot, and you tend to get some bad movies, and people get too high around cameras. But uh, something's keeping them in check. Maybe they're high functioning potheads.
0: So I posted a movie trailer in Discord, and Jeff immediately smacks me because he he was like, "I thought this was the Disney trailer."
3: Cajun, what trailer <laughs> did we did we have at our Discord this week? <laughs> oh. The Little Mermaid trailer. And I, I thought it too. I was like, oh, this is the live action Little Mermaid. I must have missed that this one was coming. Doop, doop, do. What's this? It's basically a small production company. A uh, bunch of no names production companies make this circus-ish. It feels like Big Fish. It feels like the movie Big Fish, but the trailer doesn't look nearly as good. It's like an art house flick. But it, it did one thing that, that is kind of irritating me. It used the exact same name as the Disney animated film because Disney is making live action features of all of their movies. And this movie is the entire budget of this movie is designed around that name and getting people to just accidentally buy tickets to it. And it comes out sometime this year. They, they don't even have a date yet, Damien. So this whole film
2: screams like the way it's shot and everything. I would like to look into it to find out if it's the same production group. It screams The Vampire's Apprentice.
1: Ooh.
2: And I was excited when that, because like, I like the novels and stuff like that. I was excited when that film came out and then let down. Yeah, major. And so seeing this and seeing the way that it takes place and the, it's the freak shows and all that stuff, I'm like, oh, no, it's The Vampire Apprentice part, due.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was bad.
2: <laughs> yeah i'm i'm like that's the first thing that hit me and i'm usually pretty like you know you guys call me the care bear i'm usually forgiving for films this could turn out to be an okay rental but it is nowhere near anything that i would be wasting my money on going to see in theater
0: nope so something that i was surprised to hear this week was that star wars is re is hiring a writer for their may 24th 2019 release of the next issue of the franchise that is not a, you know, a sub-story like the Han Solo movie.
3: and Yeah, episode yeah
0: and it's kind of crazy in the sense that this movie is planned in a year and a half, and yet they're, 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 the the writer, Jack Thorne, who they just uh, recently took on as, as the writer for it, has to have this bad boy out, like, literally within like five months, and like, get it out out the door, ready to go, actors need to be ready, we're gonna be recording. So it's just kind of I'm hoping that the 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 May release is going to be kept as a date because it, de- it really doesn't sound like that is a plausible thing if you're rewriting a script right now come the middle of, you know, two years before film is supposed to post.
1: I thought the May release date was kind of weird to begin with because they've always stuck with holiday releases. So definitely with a rewrite, I could see it changing to be another um, December release.
2: May... But May twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. Don't you guys know what that also connects with?
3: May the fourth be with you. May, May the twenty fourth be with you.
2: But they'll see, the twenty fourth is all, the twenty nineteen uh, Star Wars land.
3: Uh, oh
1: yeah, yeah. I'm actually planning on going. I was just in D- uh, Disney World a couple months ago, and I'm already planning on going back for that.
3: Yeah. Well, guess what. But they'll do with that. They'll have a theater there, and they'll do free screenings for anybody who's there. Exactly, that's exactly. What that's, that's, a, that's, that's what a huge the, that's deal.
2: what they're doing. They are pushing. The, the reason why they need this to come out is they're going to have it all over there. It's it's all about money. Everybody's going to want to be there. Media's going to want to be there. Maybe we'll be media there. Who knows?
0: Now they've already stated that Johnson's already shot a scene for episode nine, so the scene has already been shot, and.
3: He's it uh, Ryan Johnson's directing this. One, uh right? next, jo- no, movie. he's not he's not going
0: to be directing it. The director is Colin uh Trevor uh Trevor Vrav Va- Trev- but Johnson's already shot a scene for that movie. My guess is they were are they were shooting it, it might not have even been a scene that he intentionally shot, it might have been a Leia scene that he had already shot. And it's a tran- it's a transition right. scene. Because they said that um, if I Finn had come, uh, who plays Finn? Um, John, John Boyega. Yeah, John Boyega came out and talked about uh, the treatment that they're going to give to Kagarya Fisher.
2: It's beautiful, is what he said, and
0: saying that you know they're going to treat it with such reverence and such respect that she's not going to die, but kind of go out in a way that. Maybe she just doesn't come back, but there's a reason behind it, or a Force ghost, whatever, however they're going to do it. You know what I mean? Uh, And and they've already stated that she's never going to come back again, but he said uh, the same exact thing. Uh, Johnson said they had already shot the scene, and Trevorrow has already promised that they'll handle Leia with love and respect. So everybody's talking about this. They want to make sure everybody realizes, one, they're not going to try to put her in CGI. Like that's not happening. And two, whatever we do is going to be with such kid gloves that we're going to make sure that it, it's not bad for any of the fans. So I think that the way they're going about this is probably the right way or the right way to do it, at least with that such a beloved character.
3: Yeah, and I'm not that concerned on the writer side of it. Uh they still got plenty of time and most likely it's more going to be rewriting than writing. So I think they have the main stuff, the main plot elements there. So they can they can at least do a lot of the pre production work. Most of the sets, most of that stuff is probably already being built for episode sure. nine. This is just making that weave a little better.
0: You know what the rewrites could be totally too is is anything that happened to, to Carrie. Um, that could have been, that could be a complete rewrite and they could have already had the plot and all that all settled because they already talked about the fact that she was a main star in nine. And now that she's gone, they, the director just doesn't have time to, and his co director don't, they just don't have time to rewrite. It, we got to get somebody in here who can, whose main focus is that while we worry about production and where we're going to shoot at, where we're going next, all of that stuff.
2: Yeah. Cause now we got to have Grandpa Vader. Yep. Grandpa Vader's now the new main character.
3: Yeah. And the, uh, they could also be finishing the cut. I like what you're saying, Chris. They could be finishing the cut on 8. And, like, this is – we have locked story here. Now we can write the next one. Uh, we do a final write on the next one. That could be it, too. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, no no concern here. But moving into uh, to a Netflix movie that's uh, coming out that has a surprisingly strong cast is What Happened to Monday? Uh, it's a Netflix original. It's about a dystopian future with an out-of-control population. <laughs> Uh, It stars William Dafoe, Glenn Glenn Close. We got two big names in this one and comes out August 18th, 2017, right around the corner. This is kind of in the mold of The Handmaid's Tale, uh, picturing Americana in a dystopian future. But this one is uh, different. Uh, Handmaid's Tale population struggles with birth. This one uh, where births are prevalent and every family is limited to one child per household. Now, what happens when a family has septuplets? seven identical girls have identical subteplets and this is that story of them somehow of them making it to adulthood in this world any questions on the trailer what were you guys thoughts i'm excited for it it looks it looks
2: like a good female led cast strong actresses all over the place and it's all the same it's yeah. one Oh, yeah it's, only, yeah, it's one one actress, yes, one, but I mean...
3: One actress plays the seven sisters. I was also
2: talking about Glenn Close and oh, other yeah, things. Yeah, so okay, I'm, ta- yeah. I'm
3: talking about just uh, Silver. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought you, I thought, you thought the whole sister
1: I think it looks cool. fantastic, but I'm a big sucker for dystopian-type stories, especially... Same here. You know, the ones where they control the population, uh, you know...
2: Children of
3: Men?
1: Yeah, uh, Matched, yeah. Um, Divergent, The Hunger Games, stuff like that. I love that kind of stuff
3: hmm yep then then Handmaid's Tale is also for you too but it's a little so dark. this dystopian stuff is like just kind of
0: carrying uh between Netflix with this movie and then the uh Will or the Will Smith movie and now the Handmaid's Tale
3: that was more fantasy that one's not, yeah. that,
2: that and that one that one oh my god that one like I'm going I'll, I'm telling you this one I will watch that movie ice bath, probably ice
3: bath yeah. ice bath they mean these ice bath
2: yes yes <laughs> I will watch that movie probably like 20 times like oh, yeah. that is the just seeing that stuff. I mean, that is exactly identical to my writing style. Like it is that, that when I saw that, like it felt like they went and got into my stories that I've written since I was in the fourth grade and put it into, into like a film. And I was like, Oh my God, I cannot wait. And if And We're talking about bright with that one.
3: <laughs> and yeah, I agree. I agree with you there, Chris. Netflix is, is all hands on deck making great stuff. They just need to market better. Like Ozark, fantastic show, market better. They need to market better, but they're spending all their money on production right now.
2: Uh, I was just going to say, talking about marketing better, uh, something that they were trying to market pretty good, but it looks like it's uh, having some problems. I was talking about
3: Dark Tower. Yeah, Metacritic score 33%.
0: Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 18%. It's not pretty right now. And... When things like this come out for the opening of what is in hopes to be a series, either heads heads roll, so first of all, so that means either, either directors, writers, or actors all get chopped if there's a soft reboot of some sort into a next one, or pre-production or plans of already starting a second one, or they just cut it in general. So kind of nerving on what's going to happen with the Dark Tower series. Everybody was so hyped and so excited, and the video that we saw was ridiculous like we were all pumped up about it like we were talking about it for a good 10 minutes on on a cast and it's just apparently and i we obviously we haven't seen it yet but it, it doesn't seem like it's living up
2: i'm still this is one i will go see um i i still am cautiously optimistic about it they are going forward with the tv series that is still going to happen in the store the tv series is going to backpedal And tell is going to be is going to tell about what happened to the other gunslingers and so that we're going to have that knowing that the studio is still going forward with the TV series is I think that's what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to knock for knock it out with the TV series or hope that they knock it out with the TV series and then utilize that to push them into the next films if they're able to do it that way as they go back and they figure out how to rewrite whatever they did you know to fix whatever they did they're doing wrong.
3: Yeah, my uh, my my learned error is trust Metacritic, and uh, yeah, I, w- I wish I would have saw something else. I mean, it was good that I could save y- y'all and listeners and my co-host from all jumping into the Valerian thing. But yeah, it's uh, I definitely took one for the team there, Damien, You might be taking one for the team with us in Dark Tower.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know if I did. All right. So we, I got one that's coming out, and it came, I just was like doing a search because I happened to see him. Now, I'm not talking about the Death Race remake, uh, th- that that was just schlock and not really not really good, but I'm talking about Death Race Four. Um, what they did is they had the, the, the they did the remake of Death Race with Jason Statham, which actually, if you're to follow the storyline. That is the third. F- that is the third film. Uh, they go back. They did two prequels, uh, which tells the story and makes you understand who how they they created the Frankenstein character. And they're really good. They were made direct to D- the DVD, but they were so well done that it, they could have been theatrical releases. Like I really enjoyed them, uh, and they had a pretty all star cast. Uh, now, Death Race two and three. Take place before Death Race, uh, Death Race with Jason Statham. What's not certain is where this Death Race Four is going to take place. If it's taking place again before or not, What we, we have is we have the like we have the characters right now. We have no plot other than the fact that we know that Zach uh, McGowan is in it. Now he's been on he's been on a lot of different a uh, lot of different. Shows like he was on Black Flag, uh, he was on uh, more recently Agents of Shield. Uh, now the thing about this series is there's only one character that has been in the entire series from the from the Jason Statham movie, and uh, that character is Liss, played by uh, it's played played by uh, Frederick Kohler. And he's he's a really good character to have in it, but I mean we got we got this like just for the cast we have Cassie Clare. Um, we also who? have Cassie Clare.
3: Who? No, I heard uh, I heard the name, but who is she? Like, where is she from? Before, like Beauty
2: she that she's days? from. She's uh, well, she's in What Happened to Monday. She's in oh, Beauty. She in, is it? Yeah, and she's in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. So she she's been she's been in a in a in a few. She more of her stuff's more recent. Uh, okay. And then uh, we also have Denny Trejo, okay, Denny Glover, Julian Seeger, which he's just playing kind of a, a a side character, but it's you got you have a good cast that's coming together in this. I it's thought that Zach McGowan is going to probably obviously play the lead, uh, but if not even certain if if the, the Death Race Four is going to have a Frankenstein character in it. If it doesn't, then this could actually be a final sequel to the Death Race Jason Statham film. So it would change the the way that you'd watch the movies up even yet again. Uh, it's saying that it's going to be coming out. Uh, it was updated on November twenty sixteenth, but the title is looking like it's going to come out here uh, by before the end of the
3: year. And Silver... You have something for us? Yes,
1: here. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, news from Atlas this week. They finally announced that we get the Persona 5 animation in 2018. So I'm pretty excited about that. I really enjoyed the um, Persona 4 uh, anime. It was not done by the same company though. Uh, Persona 5 is being handled by A1 Pictures. Uh, They're responsible for Black Butler, Fairy Tail, Blue Exorcist, Sword Art Online, and the Persona 4 Golden series, which wasn't quite as good as Persona 4, the animation, but it was all the stuff thrown in when they released the game on the Vita anyway, so it's passable. Um, And they did three of the four Persona 3 movies, so I have high hopes for them, especially because the Daybreakers OVA that they did earlier this year, or actually I should say last September when the game was released in Japan was decent for 20-minute, like, almost like a prologue to the game, but the animation style was so lazy. So I'm really hoping that they uh, pick back up on their usual um, uh, style. They're known for real clean work. So I'm I'm expecting a lot because that game definitely deserves a great anime series. So we should be expecting it on Crunchyroll and uh, Funimation
3: nice uh how did the story vary from the video game story did they do an entire rewrite or did they tried to stay pretty honest with it in the previous animes versus the yeah, they were
1: actually really on it um the only thing it cut out was like you know running through the dungeons fighting random shadows and uh the majority of the boss fight but it, let's be real if you're gonna sit through the entire dungeon and boss fight you might as well just play the game so it's a 100 hour game in 24 episodes
0: Persona is an anime like I mean if you mm-hmm. play the game if you play the game the cutscenes are the anime so exactly it, it's, it's not that hard far-fetched for them to actually just kind of branch a story off I mean we're going to be talking in game on about how they're going to be diverting into sub stories they could easily just create a sub story for Persona or whatever the next you know golden or whatever that it happens to be and they can add that into that plot line and then combine the series with the game and make it co- you know make something out of that too Atlas is going to capitalize on Persona, very much so. Like this is, it's a need to do so because this is this this is now their version of Morrowind and their version of you know they have to hold on to this because this is their bread and butter.
1: That's because it's more popular in the West than their original series, which Persona is actually a spinoff from. But uh, I I know I enjoyed the Persona Four animation enough that I almost wish they would do Persona Four Dancing All Night as an animation. I would watch the hell out of that. Because, like, and I, I actually own the DVDs for the Persona 4 animation, Um, and so the Persona 3 movies are kind of hard to find, because they didn't really sell them outside of Asia, but uh, they they weren't so uh, selfish when it came to 4, so, and 5 will be easy to access with uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation and Hulu.
0: Persona so. Dance Dance Revolution. Mm. It's awesome.
3: <laughs> Heck yeah, that's the only way to
1: get me out of my chair. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's that's your first physical therapy exactly right? that's what's gonna get me walking again yeah <laughs> all right
0: so we have covered a ton uh in this episode a little bit longer of uh in our than normal so for uh derek and damian and silver and myself uh i think we're gonna close this thing out where can people find you at derek
3: caucasian said all one word on twitter and for the next four days finishing off iron banner for another uprising victory number one in destiny we're going to finish off strong as the last iron banner I'm on the path right now silver where can people find you
1: you can find me on twitter at silversoulx x10 and uh you can use the same tag to find me on xbox
2: awesome damien you can find me on twitter at mr damien nash all one word Managing the Geekologist Twitter universe stuff going on. It's uh, Geekologist Radio minus the T for character restrictions.
0: And for me, you can catch me on Twitter at two wolves twowolvzz for Geekologist Radio. And Japan Cake Family, we are
1: out.
2: Hey guys, my name is Alex Hirsch. This is Brandon. It's Colin. And Caleb. And we are the Geek Squatch Podcast
3: where Nostalgia finds a giant hairy beast and spits out a podcast about 80s and 90s nerd culture. Uh,
2: we've, do, we've covered everything so far from X-Men the Animated Series to Chrono Trigger to after-school cartoons. We've done Hercules Legendary Journeys, Goosebumps. Could I have ordered that out of my Scholastic magazine in elementary school? I'm sure school? you could have. Nice. Yeah, likely, I, although I doubt that in 2016 anyone could publish a book known as Bananas for Teenagers. Come for the Nostalgia, stay for the Trivia what land found in a book is the home to atreyu and falcor the luck dragon fuck oh my oh. god check us out on the ninja pancake network at NinjaPancake.com. you'll find our shows also listed there we're on itunes you can reach us with any questions comments or corrections at podcast at geeksquatch.com so uh go give us a listen and thank you very much